Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. James Torme with Passing By, of course, one of our fantastic presenters here on Jazz FM. Well, it's me now, Elliot Moss, on a Saturday morning. Thank you so much for joining me for Jazz Shapers. You know what it is, but I'm going to tell you anyway, just in case you're a first-time listener. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, alongside their equivalents in the world of business. Ed Beermoth, a fantastic big shaper from the world of business, and my fantastic big shaper from the world of business today is Tony Matharu. He's the founder and managing director of the Grange Hotels. There are almost 20 of them, but he does a lot more besides that, and you'll be hearing all about it very shortly. You'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea some words of advice for your business. And as well as all of that, of course, a brilliant and sumptuous mix of music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul. Buddy Rich is coming up, Amy Winehouse, Mario Biondi, and this from Mr Bill Withers. People try to create feelings just the same as love in the name of the unmistakable sound of Bill Withers within the name of love. Actually, one of the favourite artists today from my business shaper, Tony Mathurin. Though not his official choice. He's going to have that later. We're spoiling him. So as I said, Tony is my business shaper today. He's the founder and managing director of the Grange Hotels, almost 20 of them, um, and has built a bit of a business over the last 20, 20 plus years. In fact, my sources tell me, in fact, it's Tony who told me, um, Almost a billion pounds worth of assets now being built. And Tony, thank you so much for joining me. When you started in this business, that number, that value was zero. Absolutely, absolutely zero. Uh, I had no idea. In fact, I, I hadn't even stayed in a hotel as far as I can recall when I first started. So um, I had a vision. I wanted to get involved in a business. I wanted to get involved in the hotel business. I had no idea how I was going to do it, but I was determined. How did you do it? I mean, this is, you know, people... I meet many people and they say you know, they've got a, a hotel or they've, they've run a restaurant or they've run a few restaurants or even a handful of hotels. To move from the man who had literally nothing to one of the most successful and recognised entrepreneurs um, and hotel owners in the country, if not in, internationally, how does that happen? You know, tenacity is one thing, but where does it really come from, Tony? Well, it kept, probably came from my mother and the ambition and the vision and the drive um, that, that she was able to encourage in, in me. So I think that's probably the seed, and that germinated then further. Um, in, in terms of practical things, uh, borrowing some money uh, and starting uh, and being convinced that I could do it and, uh, and having the confidence to go and prove to others that I, I could. You know, determined um, and motivated, uh, the, the normal qualities that I think entrepreneurs uh, perhaps uh, demonstrate. And going way back when to when you first borrowed your first pound, as it were, how did they, you convince them that this person they never heard of called Tony Matharu was um, intelligent enough, was, was, was tenacious enough, had the vision to actually go and do something. What, do you remember those first days of, of actually trying to make the thing happen? 
Very difficult. The, you know, in the hotel business, there are huge barriers to entry. It's a very capital-intensive business. It's not easy. But on the other hand, there's security in, in the property and the assets. So uh, if, if you uh, can demonstrate that you've got the ability to turn a business around, which is what happened in the, in the first days and weeks and months, um, we could turn a business around uh, and, uh, and make it a success. Uh, and that then convinced other people that they should perhaps take an interest in the business uh, and uh, it helped to secure finance in the future. And that very first bit of finance, so if I can just get your mind to go right back then, that painful moment when you were going from naught to something, what do you think convinced them? Was it the bank that, the, that you borrowed from or where was it? Banks have got different views on, on where they place their risk. Mm. Uh, and in this particular instance, their risk, I think, was associated with the people behind it. And they, I think that they realised that um, if you've got, as people say these days, skin in the game, you're determined to put to everything that you can do to make the business successful, then um, at least they, that can be a convincing and cogent argument for them. So I think they believed in me and they believed in, in uh, my ability to try and drive a business forwards. Find out more from my business show today, Tony Matharu. He's the founder and managing director of Grange Hotels. From zero to lots, to almost a billion of assets. Not bad. You're going to find out how he did it. Time for some music. This is Amy Winehouse and Tony Bennett with Body and Soul. My heart is sad and lonely The beautiful sound of Amy Winehouse with Tony Bennett and Body and Soul. Tony Mather is my business shaper today, and we've been talking about the very early moments, um, Tony, though it was a a long while ago. When you first secured your your very first bit of investment, what did you do with it? What was the very first hotel that it got ploughed into? Where where was it? Well, it was the smallest hotel in part of a group, and uh, they were paying least attention to it, uh, least investment in resources, human resources in the capital and fixtures in the building. Um, and um, I, I guess their better business, their better people went elsewhere uh, and leaving a vacuum that we thought we could change. And I think if, you deter- if you're determined, you put all your effort into making one thing work very well, um, it can reflect itself in, in the success of the business. That's where it started. So um, it, 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 the, the hotel business is not that difficult. It, it, it does don't, require. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell me. <laughs> well, it does require a lot of effort. Yeah. Uh, and and as I said, there are barriers to entry, but there's nothing that can't be learnt, and there's nothing that can't be taught. So uh, I learned. Now you you did learn, and you studied law, I believe, at university. Then and then moved into the, the world of hotels. What what drew you to it as well? What was the thing? I mean, it sounds like obviously you, you're making it sound simpler th- than it was, and you talk about tenacity and things. But the draw of the was it the, was it the experience of being in a hotel? You said you hadn't stayed in one before. I mean, what was it that br- that brought you there? Uh, naivety. Uh, I, I think I was uh, was convinced by the what I perceived as the glamour of hotels. Uh, there is that, but um, not when you're running your very first one. Um, so I, I, I had this vision that um, it was a great thing to be associated with. Um, and I, I knew that as a business, um, I'm, I was convinced that I could do it. it, it you know, so it's maximising the capacity that you have. Mm. Um, and um, selling rooms is an art, but it... it was what we learned in the early stages. Now, then the next question, of course, is scale. So you go from one, it works well, you put heart and soul into it. As you said, you can learn things, you can be taught things and so on and so forth. Then what? How did you move from this first baby to the bigger family? How did it start to grow? 
I think it's because uh, at a certain point in time, there were changes in legislation. There was changes in the planning legislation. And I think my legal background gave us an opportunity to, to understand that and to take the opportunity of exploiting it. Um, so we were able to um, take hold of properties that uh, had come to the end of their useful lives in one form or another and turn them into hotels and breathe new life into them. And um, uh, also, I think, perceiving where the centre of gravity for London was moving, it was moving away from certain areas, it was moving slightly eastwards. Uh, I recognised that fairly early on. And, um, and we were able to find assets, convince others, uh, the bankers, that it was a worthwhile investment and then, and then demonstrate to them that they, would, they made the right judgment. Stay with me for more from my business show today and find out how belief matched with a very good, structured, intelligent approach to the world around you can actually lead to fantastic success. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, but before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkon Dere. Hello, my name's Saul Sender and I'm a partner in the corporate department at Mishkon Dere. The choices that small growing companies face when raising money are very similar to the choices that large international companies face when they're raising money in, in the city or, or on the international capital markets. Essentially, there's a decision to be made between raising debt finance or equity finance. Debt finance is as simple as a loan. It suits you best if you have regular cash flow because the obligation to repay is fixed and you need the, the money to repay it back on a periodic basis. Equity can be much more flexible but on the downside to the business owner, you're giving away ownership of the company. You may be giving away future profits, you may be giving away future proceeds of a sale, or if you sell uh, more than 25 or 50% of the company, you may be losing control in due course. So business owners who are looking to grow need to weigh up the pros and cons of how to raise money. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me every Saturday morning, 9am sharp. Book your appointment so that you can hear some of the best and the biggest and the cleverest shapers of the world of business who join me here on Jazz FM. If you've missed any of the previous almost 200 programmes, go into iTunes. You can find a smattering there. FT.com, CityAM.com and even British Airways High Life are also places you can catch some of my fantastic guests. My fantastic guest there is Tony Matharu. He's the founder and managing director of the Grange Hotels and you've been hearing how he's gone from zero to lots more and how tenacity allied with some quite intelligent thought about what's going to go on in the world around him has helped him build his business. Tony, we were talking about your focus on central London and how that has started to really, well, did start many years ago to pay dividends. People often say to me, oh, yes, I realised that this was happening and I adapted to it. How did you know? I mean, I know you, you had a, a decent hold on the, the property market. You had a legal background, as you said, so you could structure deals. But how did you know it was going to be such a boom time for the city? Nobody knows it's going to be a boom time. Uh, you convince yourself that you know better than the market, and if you do, then you make the right decisions. And so I think whether you're buying shares or whether you're buying property or whether you're investing in, in hotels, if you look at the patterns and you can see there are opportunities that perhaps other people have missed um, and uh, take advantage of those. So I, I think that we, we saw some, uh, some opportunities going west from uh, – so going east from where we were. And um, uh, we knew that there were some unloved areas in unloved buildings that had come to the end of their useful lives. And we were convinced that there was demand there. There were high concentrations of corporate businesses around there. Uh, we knew that a lot of the hotel bed stock was relatively stale. 
uh, very unloved. Uh, they were built for a different time, a different period, a different type of client. And we, I think, as younger people in, in entering the business, knew um, that they there were other alternatives that um, we could provide to the market that uh, people were prepared to pay for if we got it right. Finding the space to have the thought to go, we knew, and they, these were unloved, and these were the buildings, on top of running the day-to-day operation of a, of a business. This is the thing that intrigues me about someone like you. Where do you find that space? Is it an internal thought process that goes on? Are there people around you that enable you to go, that's unloved, that's the part of London we're going to go for? How do you get to those conclusions? I think all entrepreneurs, one of, one of the secrets of entrepreneurship is is having the vision and um, being able to recognise opportunities. Many people do get very straight and narrow-minded. Um, they're wearing blinkers. They, they do certain things in their lives. Uh, they think that they should go along the particular paths which have been well-trodden. Uh, and I think it does take uh, a broader vision to recognise opportunities when they come along. So the first thing is recognising opportunities. Beyond that, it's then exploiting them, uh, uh, sacrificing and um, making the best of the opportunities. Many people do recognise opportunities and then don't want to take the risk. It could be a personal risk. It could be uh, sacrifices in other parts of their lives. Uh, it could be just the risk of funds and uh, and um, investing your own money. Um, but recognising the opportunities is the first thing, and you have to have the vision to start with that. And I think I think that comes from my mother in the first instance. You're going to hear more from Tony Mathieu, my business shaper, very shortly. Time for some music, and it's the upbeat and lovely Buddy Rich featuring his daughter Kathy with The Beat Goes On. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain La-di-da-di-dee La-di-da-di-da The beat goes on from Buddy Rich, as I said, featuring his daughter, Kathy. Tony, we were talking about risk. Um, and, you know, I, I, I look at you and I don't see a, a crazy risk, risky guy. I see someone who's very calm, who's very in control of his brief, uh, as I would say, if you're a politician, God forbid. Um, how do you manage? You obviously are. You're very steely. You, you sent, I sense a very steely person, obviously, very clear on what you want to do. How risk op- open are you to risk? It, it, it must be relatively large. And if so, how do you manage that with this calm exterior that, that, that one sees? Um, I, I, I'm not sure that I, people would see me as, as being taking risks. Uh, I think our approach has always been a measured, considered approach. And so that might go with my calm exterior and interior. I think if, if you... If you, you Carefully consider the options that are that you recognise and are presented to you, um, and um, I don't think that one can be just impulsive when you're dealing with the, the kind of sums of money that are necessary to build and design hotels. So, a, a considered, measured approach um, based on um, demonstrated past uh, and a vision for the future. Uh, I think those are probably um, m- one of our secrets: um, hard work, passion. Um, I think. The encouraging other people around you, your team, um, that uh, to follow your vision, um, to motivate, support, direct them, uh, to think your way, uh, and uh, to tread the path that you've taken um, them in and build a team around you. They're all things that have helped us. We couldn't do it without mm. um, good people. And was there a tipping point, or has there been in the last 10 or 15 years, when you've gone, this has been a big and successful business, to this has now gone to another level? And if so... Did you know it as it was happening? You talk about being calm and, de- and deliberate and considered. Did you know it was moving from phase two, if it were, as you were, to phase three? Yes. 
uh, it's, I, that, that sounds a bit glib, but at different points in time, you know that you need um, to build a team who, who've got expertise that you don't have. It, uh, in, you may know that there is, are technologies that you're not so familiar with that you need to bring on board. So I think you don't necessarily need to be a technician. You don't need to be a builder and a designer. But you need to know that in order to move forward, you need the support of those people around you. And so we're quite unusually, we do have on board within our group people who um, do that. So, in fact, right from design and build um, to technology and other solutions, we've, we've um, tried to develop those within our, our brief. Um, and so they're within our team. Uh, and that means that we can control and time uh, the expense and the, um, the completion of what we need as a, as a hotel group in particular. We'll have our final chat with Tony, plus we're playing a track from Mario Biondi. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Got no money, but I got something going. Ain't so wise, but I know something worth knowing. Oh, yeah, a fistful of dollars. The diminutive not Mario Biondi with a handful of soul. Tony Mather is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. Tony, in the the building of the business over the last 25 or so years, you must have encountered big obstacles, things that just you thought, I don't know how I'm going to get around this. When that happened, how did you get around them? Because you're still here, the business is still growing, you're still calm on the outside and on the inside, and you're smiling. Um, how have you managed that? I think looking forward... Uh, there are uh, problems every single day in all kinds of walks of life. Personal, they can be, or they can be professional, they can be in your work. You're, you're meeting expectations of you know, many thousands of people all the time. And if you just try and resolve those issues and move on, so you've got to look forward. I think looking back is not helpful. And, and you know, there, are, there are ways in which you can skirt round issues, um, but if you uh, confront them face on, um, and you, uh, my way of dealing with problems is, is not to bang my fist or to jump up and down or to, or to shout, um, but um, to take a considered approach to them and find a solution. So wherever the problem is, find a solution, move on, look forward. You mentioned, uh, you know, things can, uh, difficult things happen in personal life and so on and so forth. You are um, very well known for your amazing philanthropic work, not just money you might give as a business or as an individual, but your time, because your time is what really is, I think it, sometimes it matters more in a way than, than the money, though the money's very important too. Why do you do what you do across a number of fronts? I mean, I'm not going to go through the list of probably 10 or 15 different boards you're on of different charities, but what motivates you? It's the most fulfilling part of my life. Um, I, in, in the Sikh religion um, and... Um, uh, and I'm not particularly religious, but there are, there's one particular tenet of it, and that's called seva, which I interpret as trying to do a little a bit of good for everybody, and if not everybody, somebody, uh, every day without any personal benefit. And, and that becomes part of you. It becomes ingrained in you. If you can, you try and do some good for somebody else. Uh, and as you become more successful, depending on how you measure it, you're more able to do more for more people. So if it's time, that's okay. They need it more than you. Um, and, and it is the most fulfilling part of my life. 
And how do you manage it? Because you are split in literally 57 different ways. I'm sure you need about 10 phones and 14 personal assistants. How do you actually manage it and enable yourself to remain calm and actually give good advice and help? Well, mentoring and giving advice is one way in which you can do it because then you can you can uh, do far more than you could do individually and personally. Um, but life is a balance, and getting the balance right is, is an impossibility. You can't always get the right balance. When you're dealing with people who are severely disadvantaged, in, in, it may be in, in, in a, following an earthquake, a natural disaster, it could be post-war, it could be something that's disease, it could be people with disability, um, you realise that those beneficiaries need assistance far more than perhaps answering that call or looking at those emails. So um, for me, um, in my sense of balance and priority, I, I try and deal with that in a way that doesn't um, detract from my business. And I think people around me understand that having a good corporate social responsibility head um, does well for the business it's recognised. Um, but it, it, it's not because of the recognition, it's because I want to do it. Now, look, you're 25 years in or whatever it is to the business. Um, you're still young. What's, what's gonna, the next five years going to hold for you, the next 10 years? Are you going to stop? You don't strike me as someone who's ever really going to stop because your brain will carry on going and, your, as you talked about then, your, your values will carry on living. But what are, you, what are you thinking about as you look forward now? It's just looking at the right balance. Um, there's, there's the management and control, and then there's the contribution to others. My view is that um, what I'd like to do is to spend more time contributing to others. Well, we should all do be, be doing a lot more of that. Listen, thank you so much for being my business shaper today. You've been brilliant. Um, I can't let you go without asking you what is your song choice and why have you chosen it? I love it, uh, Nina Simone, and, um, and I'm an optimist. I like to feel good. It's, um, it's an uplifting tune, um, and she's got a great voice. And here she is just for you. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. That was Feeling Good from Nina Simone, the song choice of my phenomenal business shaper today, Tony Matharu. A humble man, someone who's been so successful and yet retains that sense of perspective. Someone who believes that contributing to others is central to his own philosophy, his own way of being, and an absolute visionary. He's built a business over 25 years by seeing things before other people did and acting on that vision. Fantastic stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am here on Jazz FM. But stay with us right now because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.